this is Cameron Burgess, and you're listening to the Film Focus Podcast. And welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is J-Mac, your host, reporting live from my country estate. An entire weekend of hunting cock pheasant, clay pigeon shooting and Bollinger. Two days straight, thanks to three points in the bullet pouch Friday night before a Saturday morning sunrise. He ain't heavy, he's his brother. Take a bow, Stephen Sessignon. Cavalier Zero to Cavalier Hero. Harry Artificial Intelligence once again. Mitroglycerin and a Dazzler knockout to see it all off. We'll be talking all about it. But first, thanks to Cameron Burgess for opening the show. Cameron joined our youth team as a teenager and was part of Steve Wigley's successful under-18 side who made it to the Youth FA Cup final for the first time in the club's history. He made four first-team appearances under Felix McGat, but for a youngster coming through, it was always going to be a bad timing, given the mess we were in at the time. We wish Cameron the best of luck with the rest of his career, and you can read his Q&A with Danny looking back at his Fulham experience on our website, fulhamfocus.com. All right, I've got my gun dogs with me. I've got a Welsh Springer Spaniel, Mr. Reese, and I have a ferocious French Bulldog in Mr. Beclair. Let's go. Fulham. All right, guys. Well, it was great to have three points early on on a Friday so we could just enjoy our weekend. So I'll go to you first, Mr. Beclair. How are you, mate? And what did you think of the opening lineup? Never mind that. Where the bloody hell have you been? Ah, um, I've been in the countryside. Been in the countryside? Oh. Yep, I've been in the countryside. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's, well. been, it's been very nice. I tell you what, it's, it's a really nice area of the. Look, just what did you think of the lineup? <laughs> The lineup. Um, it's, it's funny actually because we were talking last week about whether or not Stephen Sessignon was ready and whether or not he'll play. And I said fundamentally, he's nowhere near the first team. I can't see him playing. And lo and behold, here he is. He's in the team. It, apparently, Dennis Adoy had some mysterious knee injury and and wasn't anywhere near the team. And in steps Stephen Sesson. I, I thought he did really well, to be honest. The only other change I think was AK was back on the bench for Floyd Ayite. I wonder whether we're going to be using AK as kind of a uh, a weapon away from home to kind of bring on and terrorise defences, whereas, you know, Ayite doesn't doesn't really have that impact when he comes off the bench. Otherwise, I, I thought the lineup was was quite predictable, to be honest. We we didn't really make um, any drastic changes from, from the lineup against Blackburn, and it worked. I, I mean, completely agree. I mean, it was, I mean, an obvious... I mean, that was one of the most notable things when you saw the lineup was Stephen Sessignon was finally playing. And it was actually a breath of fresh air. He seemed very, very reassured uh, defensively, but also on the attack. What did you think, Mr. Gordon? Yeah, well, I agree with Frenchie to some extent. You know, when the lineup was announced, that's where everyone's attention was going to go because there's been a lot of talk. You know, we, not we, the Royal We, discussed it on the podcast uh, last week about whether or not he's ready. It's been sort of growing since pre-season. This talk about oh can he play right back? I said you know after the Brighton friendly that I think I think he's more than capable of doing so. Um, so yeah, that's where all the attention was going to go. Other than that, I think again I'm gonna, again I'm going to agree with Frenchie. Um, I assume you mean AK forty seven with all this because that's the thing we've got to establish now is which AK do we talk about? 
Um, but yeah, Abubakar Kamara, I've said before. And I'm well, it's, saying, it, it's, it's either the good one or the shit one, isn't it? Well, that's that's my point. It's shit if he starts, but it's pretty. he's pretty good when he comes off the bench, which is what I think his role is going to have to be from here on out as an impact sub going forward, which is why, you know, the Anthony Knockhart and Ivan Caviero were always going to be, at some stage of the season, our two wide men with Mitro through the middle. I, I'm just surprised it took to the third game for it to come through. Other than that, not really much talking point. I think most of us know roughly what our team is now. Just, just going back to Stephen Sess as well. Yeah. Um, I think that the biggest kind of compliment you can pay is, like, like Baldo said, all kind of eyes were focused on him before the game. We've got this, we've got this youngster. He's making his debut, but I didn't really notice him. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean that in a complimentary sense because. I wasn't nervous when he was on the ball. He kind of just slotted in seamlessly um, and he looked really good. Well, that's that's a, that's a huge point, isn't it? Because usually, I mean, I tend to feel like with the right-back scenario we've had for the past few seasons, um, it's always quite obvious when there is a right-back because there's always a bit of a fuck-up going on. Uh, I, I thought Steven Sessian looked brilliant. I thought he was very good going forward as well as defensively. I mean, for someone his age looking so... I mean, th- uh, there are already sort of talks of how he's probably a lot more potentially better off than Ryan Sessegnon defend- as a defensive player. But that's that's a whole kettle of fish. I think, would you say then, Mr. Beclair, that this would be your starting lineup going forward, as Mr. Reese just alluded to? Well, I, I, I don't know about going forward, but I can't see that Stephen Sess is not going to play on, um, on Wednesday against Millwall. Sure. I, I'd say he's definitely going to start, and I'd say that would be the team. But I still maintain that Bobby Reid has not signed for Fulham to sit on the bench. Um, and I think sooner rather than later, there'll there'll be a way that he is integrated into that team. And kind of alluded to last week how he might come in for even Cavalero. Um, but Cavalero, I, the commentators the other night seemed to think that he wasn't having a good game. But I, I thought he had a much better game. And I don't just mean because he scored. I thought he looked much more comfortable on the ball, um, just generally, um, and looked much more of a threat. Yeah, but the problem is with that, you know, you say he's not going to come to sit on the bench. And absolutely he won't. But in any sort of debate, if you're going to put him in, who do you then take out? That's really the key bit. Where do you do? You, do you see us changing formation, maybe to a four-two-three-one, and have you know have him as a number ten with then Kenny dropping back? You know, that if you have to put him in, then you have to take someone out, and that's the question: who do you take out as a result? But yeah, agreed. And I don't know the answer to that. But all the while we're winning, then you you don't change your winning team, as far as I'm concerned. But all I'm saying is, eventually, I think Bobby Reed will slot in somewhere. I mean, I agree with you, Fredji. I don't actually think Cavalera looked that bad in the first half. He just was just a little bit rusty, and just I mean, he almost scored for God's sake. But it was half time. Obviously, I think a big, big positive from this game was not just the individual performances in the second half, was actually the halftime talk that Scott Parker must have given in the dressing room. I would love to have been in the fly on the wall just to have seen or heard what he said. And this is it reminded me a lot, this game, of the Brighton game at home last season, where we just looked completely different in the second half. And I think, obviously, Scott Parker is very good at turning around a bad bit of rust, if you see what I mean. Did you did you see the interview with Scott Parker? Um, he uh, he said that they asked him, "What did you say to the team at half time?" And he said, "I just just want them to pass a bit more," um, mm. which I thought was a really a, a really strange answer. But then when he kind of elaborated, 
he said that he thought that we were trying to rush the ball forward too quickly and we just needed to be a bit more patient in the build-up. And I think that's what we're starting to look really good at. We're, we're starting to, once we do get the ball into that final third, we've then got the players that can really hurt teams. And, you know, any defender at this level is going to be scared of um, Mitrovic, Cavalero and, and Anthony Knockart. Um, and I think all three of them did pretty well on, on Friday night. And what are your thoughts on Cavalera quickly to sum up Ivan, uh, Mr. Baldwin, really quickly? I mean, he, I mean, he had a, a bit of a bad first half, but he made up for it in the second half, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but I think you, you touched about what Scott Parker said. I think the whole team did to an extent. So I think he's, you know, maybe he is just performing, you know, at the same levels as the rest of the team. Yeah, I'm, I, no, I can't quite, I can't quite put it, put my finger on exactly. Why he just suddenly came out of his shell? So maybe he was just, you know, impacting more on, you know, the fact that the players, uh, Huddersfield players, were getting tired. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on why, on why everything went different. But you know, I'm I'm just glad it did. And when when you've got a player in your team who's capable of doing what he did at that, you know, a key point in the game like that, ten minutes to go, to just put your foot on the ball, take your time, and pick out the top corner, then. Arguably, it doesn't matter what you do in the rest of the game because those types of um, incidents are game-changing moments. And if you've got a player in your team that can change a game, then then you play them. No, exactly. And I think his record is... I mean, his record is clearly fantastic in this league. And I just think he... You know, we've been warned already by Wolves fans that he can blow hot and cold sometimes. But I think, for without a doubt, he is going to be a starter and he will come well. And like I said, like you just said, that that, you know... The technique for scoring the goal that he did will do so much for his confidence going forward in the next game on Millwall. But we'll talk about Millwall in a minute. Well, let's, let's come on to Mitch Fitch really quickly and his goal. Uh, Mr. Borman, what were your thoughts on his goal really quickly? Right, yeah, it was perfect centre-forward play. That's sort of thing that we that we got him for. Um, there was a bit of luck involved in it, in the fact that it came off Huddersfield defender's name who... I can't remember. Quite frankly, I don't care. But excellent build-up by Stephen Ses- Stephen Sessignon yeah, in the build-up to you know to play under pressure like that. And you know, again, it's what I, I can't I can't say any more. But it's what we it's what he's good at. And when the balls are played into the box like that, and I think that's something we struggled with last season was a lack of balls going in for him to for him to actually play something with. You know, everything was slightly more intricate last season so the fact that we're starting to play a little bit more to his style is fantastic and we're clearly reaping the benefits of that as we did uh, on Friday night and we did on Saturday against Blackburn Yeah the thing with Mitrovic is that he's he's not just he is that type of player that can pluck a ball out of the air and, and score with his head but there's another dimension to his game as well and we saw that when Cavalero played him through in the, uh, in the second half and his, his first shot was blocked um, that he ran onto the ball and his shot was blocked, and then then he put the uh, the the, set, the follow up over the bar. Um, but yeah, like like Baldwin said, the uh, the goal that that was teed up for him by the Huddersfield defender. As soon as that ball went up into up into the clouds, he was underneath it, and there was only ever going to be one winner of that header. The the poor defender in front of him did not stand a chance. Mitrovic was there, bang, one nil, and he's straight over to the fans. And that, that's one of the reasons why I love Mitrovic as well. He's, he always knows where the fans are and he always goes over doing his doing his little celebration right in front of them. So, yeah, and, it, and it's great as well because I, I feel like he's a confidence player to a certain extent. And last season, he did lose his mojo a little bit towards the end of the season, um, aside from the penalty at Bournemouth. Um, but he's off to a flyer this season, two in three. And, 
we talked last week about how many goals he might get and we said 25 but you know if he carries on in this sort of form then 25 plus yeah I mean I've got to talk about one thing I mean I think we all know what I'm about to say obviously being in the championship Mitrovic is going to be public enemy number one for a lot of defenders I mean a lot of defenders are already on him like a white on rice at the moment however it's his reaction. I mean, we all know what I'm saying. His play acting to being hit in the face. Um, what What are your thoughts on that, Mister Baldwin? I mean, I, I mean, there is technically technically contact, but it, it's no it's no good just rolling around like that. Is it? It, exactly. It wasn't necessarily a dive in the you know, in the common sense. There was, but he definitely um, made the most of it. Is the best is the best way I can do. Is the best way I can describe it. You know, was there contact? Absolutely. I think you can see it was just a light scrape. It's I, I saw a lot of people comparing it to Rivaldo back in the 2002 World Cup. Anyone who's younger, who's too young for that, just Google it. It's fantastically funny. Um, so yeah, he there was definitely contact. He made the most of it, and you know, we saw reports coming out today. He's going to avoid a suspension because the referee deemed to have seen the incident. He got away with it, but I think that's the case. he got away with it. In any other situation. You know, we could very easily be looking at a ban in the same situation for, for play acting. In that situation, you know, Mitrovic, I love you, but that sort of thing, nah, I'm just not completely not a fan of. Yeah, let, let's be very clear and very strong with this. Whether there was contact or not, that was real dickish behaviour and it's got no place at our club. Don't want to see that from Mitrovic again. Keep up with the goals, but piss off with the play acting, mate. And um, hopefully Parker will say something like that to him. But, I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I don't think it was a Patrick Bamford situation. But, it, I mean, yeah, less of that. Less of that. All right. So let's talk about their goal. Um, completely unmarked. And should do you reckon Bettinelli should do better with this header, Mr. Baldwin? Yeah, I said it at the time on the uh, Here's for the Sweepstake. They much wanted to be in full and focused WhatsApp group. Um, the... He, it was it was odd. If you go down and you slow it down, you see it in slow motion. His arm is somewhat behind the um, behind the line, which doesn't make sense. You know, if he's reaching, you know, fully outstretched, you have you have to see it to sort of see what I'm describing. But his arm is slightly backwards, and you think if he just moves his arm forward a couple of you know a foot maybe on an angle, rotate it slightly. Then there's a better chance of him for him to get the ball. It just really bugged me out. Could he have done better? Absolutely, absolutely. But at the same time, the Huddersfield player got an absolutely free header. So there's got to be something said about the defending there as well. That that guy did really well with that header because it was slightly behind him and he did well to arch his neck round it and yeah and even even get it on target. But I think what beats Bettinelli is the fact that it clips the inside of the post. Um, and I think if if that's a couple of inches to the um, to the left towards Bettinelli, then he saves it. But it's just deceived him, the fact that it's come off the inside of the post. And I, when I saw it at the time, I, I couldn't understand how it was a goal. I, I, it didn't look like it had gone in, but clearly when you see the replay, it, it was over the line. But I, I think he was just unlucky. Yeah, I think you're right. But however, I mean, one shot on target and one goal. I mean, obviously it was the only shot on target, but there is hopefully, we do need to sort of brushing that up if we want to get out of this league. All right, so for their second goal, um, I just want to give, naturally, uh, Joe Bryan a bit of credit here for how good he is going forward because he did a lovely little dummy move there as an overlap and gave Ivan Cavalera the space to make that goal happen. I mean, he's looking 
very, very good at the moment. What were your thoughts on the build-up to that goal, Mr. Buclair? I think Joe Bryan is in, in a similar category to, to a lot of our players in the sense that they're excellent championship players, but possibly not quite good enough for the Premier League, as last season was testament to. But yeah, to, to answer your question, he did excellently for the second goal, acting as a decoy and made the space for Cavalero, just bought him an extra second or so, so Cavalero could bend it into the top corner. And I think we'll see that a lot from Joe Bryan this season. He's a very good attacking fullback. Good, good defensively, but good at uh, supporting going forward as well. And as long as he stays fit, then he's going to be a real asset this season for sure. Yeah, of course. And a beautiful assist as well. Well, the cross in from Steven Sessegnon. It's all looking very good, actually, on the, the fullback situation. But there's something going on. I looked at the photos of our team spirit that's going on. You've got the classic photo from last week with Bobby Reed, Knockhart, Mitchell and Kearney. There's something that there feels like a sort of, maybe I'm just a bit deluded or a bit drunk. I don't know. But I, I do feel there is a, a feeling going on. There's a, you look at the photos of our players and that does not look like a team that belong in the playoffs. That looked like an automatic promotion squad to me. Uh, Mr. Bowen, do you get the feeling? I mean, maybe we're just getting carried away, but there is a sort of vibe that this actually could be an automatic promotion season for us finally. Yeah, I don't know how much you can sort of put into emotion and how much camaraderie and all that sort of stuff plays into it, but I just want to say, as much as I did last time, got promoted, let's calm it down. We're three games into the season. I still have a lot of worries about our defence, personally. Um, you know, you mentioned, I, it was either you or Mr. Leclerc, it is very late, I am tired, um, about whether or not this team is too good, you know, too good for the Championship, not good enough for the Premier League. You know, maybe maybe they are. We'll probably find out. But at the moment, it's still still very much a work in progress. We still don't know what, our, you know, as we alluded to with Bobby Reed, we still don't know what our first team is. So let's just sort of calm it down on the on the promotion bandwagon, as it were. Yes, there is a good a good side in here. Whether or not it's good enough to challenge for the automatics or the playoffs, because there are a lot of good teams in this division. And we just have to hope, hope to be one of them. Whether or not we're going to be in the best two or three, I just think it's too early to say right now. It's also, you also don't really know how good the teams that we've faced uh, are either. Um, Blackburn, I would say, would probably finish mid-table. Um, Huddersfield, difficult to say where they're going to finish because they've just sat their manager, obviously. And depending on who they get in, they they could still, there's still plenty of time for their team to be, um, to be revived. But, at the start of the season, this early, it's very difficult to kind of know the impact that every team's new signings are going to make, how good they're going to be. Um, for example, Millwall, who we're going to come on to shortly, they've, they've won uh, two and drawn one of their opening, uh, opening games so far. And they're, they're kind of in a, in a good position. They're near the top of the table. But will they be there at the start of the season or have they just played some teams that aren't going to necessarily be that good this season? I don't know. But as far as we're concerned... I think we are a very good side. We've mentioned it so many times already this season, but our, our attack looks outstanding at this level. Perhaps we're still uh, susceptible to being caught at the back defensively. But I, personally, I've not seen anything that really concerns me about our defence so far this season. Um, well, and the midfield, the midfield looks good as well. So my, my only question is, at the end of the season, when the table's all sorted out, where will the teams that we have faced so far finish and we can then look and think okay well Huddersfield they were mid-table, Blackburn they were mid-table 
Barnsley, maybe they'll be near the top. I don't know, but you can't you can't really decide how good these results are until the season pans out a little bit further and you see quite where all these teams are going to be in the league. No, I completely agree with you, and I actually think you know with our centre back partnership, it's actually a lot better than I had previously feared. Mawson seems very comfortable as the right sided centre back, and as long as he stays healthy, I'm happy. Tim Ream is sporting a beautiful looking beard at the moment and looks. Just as good as he did two seasons ago in the championship, but we haven't played the better teams yet. You're right. But in my opinion, there just seems to be something a lot more meat and potatoes about this squad, something a bit more grittier. Maybe it's the robustness of our wing backs or full backs, as it were, just actually being a little bit more careful with going forward all the time. There is just a nice mixture going on. I'm excited to see how it evolves into Millwall. Um, and just, yeah, finally, I'll quickly just say that it's quite funny. Jansen's. Jan Stewart has been sacked, and it's just quite strange how this Huddersfield game always has some sort of... It's a bit like, you know, it's a bit jinx, isn't it, wouldn't you say, Mr. McClare? Seems to be. Um, I think it was a mistake for Huddersfield to appoint uh, an unknown quantity to, you know, at, at the stage of the season when they did anyway last season. But arguably, Slav was sacked last season uh, at the right time. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and... You know, there'll be people that, and we've talked about this so many times already, but there'll be people who, who would say that it was the wrong time to sack him and with the wrong replacement. But yeah, it's it's a strange one. You know, Slav lost his job after that fixture last season and now Jan Sieverts lost it, lost his job this season. And who who will Huddersfield get? The, there's there's rumours of Chris Hewson and if he comes in, then I can, I can still see them having a good season. So we'll have to wait and see. And finally, Mr. Baldwin, what is your Scott Parker rating? Also, bear in mind you have the good team talk potentially at halftime. Yeah, I think taking taking that halftime team talk into consideration, I'm going to give him, uh, I'm going to give him an eight, knocking a few points off because if it takes till halftime for him to be able to work things out and g up the team, then there are going to be a couple of occasions this season where we're not going to be able to have that luxury of being nil nil at halftime when a Leeds come in or West Brom or maybe even a Derby, I see them being quite good, would we may be behind in these games. Now, as we were against Barnsley, for instance. So the fact, so if it takes 45 minutes for him to G up the team, then there's something a little bit wrong. So I'm going to go for an eight. I think for me to get a 10, it has to be the perfect performance from start to finish. Um, this wasn't the perfect performance, but it was a good performance. So I'll agree it's an eight. Yeah, I'm going to go for an eight as well. And I've got to say that I've, I've noticing a confidence in Scott Parker like off the pitch as well. There was something about that interview that you mentioned earlier for Claire where he just is seeming a lot more, I don't know, assured of himself. I mean, he's always been quite a confident guy, but there is just a very nice sort of flow to the way he's speaking at the moment of confidence. And I, I do believe he, he can see that he has this connection with the players. He was very, very chummy with Knockout after the game. And uh, Ivan Cavallero, of course, like he, he, the players really do want to play for him, and you can see that, and it's all quite exciting, in my opinion. But let's see. Well, momentum's really important in yeah. in this division as well, and we didn't get momentum when we came up through the playoffs until around about Christmas. So, if we can start with momentum this time, as as we have done with the Barnsley game to one side, then then you know we're going to have a good season. I really, I really feel like we are. Nice one. Well, I mean, speaking of momentum, after this, we are. Not going to have a quiz, <laughs> because we don't have one. So we're going to go straight to the Millwall preview after this. Fulham. 
And welcome back. Now it's time for a little Millwall preview. Uh, good to see them again. Now, I just would actually like to talk really quickly about what we think the atmosphere is going to be like this game because a lot of people have now moved from the Riverside stand to the Putney end. It's under the lights. I mean, I'm going and I'm just really intrigued. Do you think, uh, what do you think the likelihood, Mr. McClare, is that Millwall behave themselves this game? Their fans, I mean. Um, well, I hope that the club have taken provisions for the concourse. I don't know. It's it's midweek and, you know, there's every chance that people would have been drinking before the game. So I I think the club just need to have handled this properly. And, yeah. and, and they'll only have themselves to blame if there's any trouble. That's all, I, all I'll say. Now, hang on. Now, obviously, personally, I think that, you know, you talk about people drinking beforehand. I don't think it's going to be an, an issue because, you know, people would have knocked off work at five o'clock. More than likely, you know, maybe go home get changed, maybe get something quick to eat, you know, and then make their way over to the game. I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for the for that sort of thing to happen. It's not like a you know three PM Saturday kickoff when you can start drinking at midday sort sort of thing. So oh. I don't I don't really see that being a problem. However, this will be Millwall have been better. They're not perfect, as their recent things have sort of shown. They're not perfect, but they are better than what they have been in previous years. Let's just put it that way. However, this is going to be a very good test, let's put it that way, for the um, for the you know Putney end, neutral segregation, Riverside stand, all that thing, all coming in together. It's going to be a very good test. If the club can get away with this, then I think everything's going to be a lot smoother in the future. Yeah, fair point. You never know. Millwall fans might like to do what I do and just you know stay at the bar the entire time, miss three quarters of the game, and just be an absolute hard ass. I mean, that might be what I'd like. Anyway, so just don't, just, just don't miss any goals. Yeah, I mean, well, well, pony. So we have a lot of lovely stats from Stato, Mr. Matt Arter. He's great. Um, and this is just, you know, our head to head. You know, Fulham have won 19 games out of our uh, facing off with Millwall, and we have drawn 12, and Millwall have won 14. We've met 45 times, and Fulham have only won five out of the last eight meetings. And the last match was at the Cottage on the 25th of November, 2017, and it was Fulham 1, Millwall 0. And the goal was an Ollie Norwood penalty. So, I mean, Millwall, you know, narrowly avoided relegation last season. But I feel like, you know, we've talked about the lineup. We know what's going to happen, we think. I think Millwall are actually potentially on a... I mean, they've they've got... They haven't got bad players. I mean, after all, I mean, they've just recently signed... Our very own, well, our own pro- former prodigal son, Matt Smith, Mr. Beclair. Oh, prodigal son, I don't know about that. But yeah, <laughs> T, Tom Kearney's best mate, Matt Smith. So it'd be interesting to see those two coming up against each other. I think the last time I remember us coming up against him was when he played for QPR and we had that, we were 2-0 up in the in the running to um, to being promoted. And um, and they paid us back to tool when Dennis Adoy made that slip. And I think he was causing havoc for the... For the equaliser, uh, sorry for the, for their first goal just before half time, but he's off to a flyer this season. He scored two in three. Millwall have won two out of their first three games. They beat Sheffield Wednesday at home at the at the weekend, and they they've also drawn away at West Brom. So they look they look very assured at the moment, and this is going to be no pushover for us. Even though we look good as well, I think this will be a very tough game. Yeah, you mentioned pushover. I am very much looking forward to seeing the Matt Smith versus Tim Ream battle. That is, set, that is set to take place. You know, six foot 13, I'm sure, exaggerating slightly, but all six <laughs> foot 
plus whatever he is at six foot seven, I think he is, of him versus six foot one Tim Ream is going to be a fascinating battle to see whether or not you, it's a bit, it is basically brains versus brawn in this in that department. It's going to be it's going to be something good to look at. So yeah, I mean, I've got this list here from Mister Stato, and actually, you know, we've got Matt Smith and we've got the Sean Hutchinson. These are talking about players that have played for both clubs, of course, and Scott Malone, Barry Hales. But you've got Ryan Fredericks. Yeah, I mean, that sort of surprised me because I'm assuming this is one of those where when he was on loan because he, he started at Tottenham, didn't he? So he's coming through as young, so it was obviously one of his loans there. So it was brilliant to see all these players. No, I'm just looking at the whole list of players that it's just giving me flashbacks. If Ralph Fraser was obviously the main one because there's obviously the West Ham Millwall connection there. I I wonder if any of the West Ham fans managed to pick that one up when when they signed him. Um, Scott Malone, you know, mentioned, I didn't know Mike Taylor played for Millwall, good on him. Hamabuatsa was a great little, is a great little side. Again, didn't know he played for him, but it just brings memories flooding back of Hamabuatsa and for some reason him constantly being injured with a shoulder injury for that, for that great escape season. But my word, he was fun to watch. Whenever he was there, obviously. Very rarely. Scored a Thunderbolt against Man City, I remember that one. So also looking at Millwall's stats from uh, last season, Millwall scored 22 away goals, averaging 0.96 goals per game. Uh, that's a goal for every 94 minutes. Uh, I mean, should we be a bit worried about Millwall's form when they actually play away, do you reckon, Mr. Beclair? I mean, they just had a really good game last week. Um, I think the only th- I think they've won both their home games so far and drawn away at West Brom. So... Unknown, unknown quantity, arguably, away from home so far, but it's still so early in the season, isn't it? I'd be confident that that we can that we can get something out of this and we can we can beat them, but you just don't know at this stage of the season. Like I said earlier, you don't know who's going to be really good this season at this point of the season. All we know really is that some teams have have won a couple of games so far, but you don't really know until sort of seven, eight, nine games uh, into the season who's who's going to be really you know, up there. So I don't know, 22 away goals last season from a team that were, were struggling near the bottom of the table sounds about right. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes from them this, this season. I'll, I'll take a one nil for sure. Yeah. That being said, the West Brom are, are amongst one of the bookies favorites to go up. You know, they're, they're you know, being talked about as one of the promotion team. So for them to get a draw away to West Brom, you know, even as you say, it's early in the season, still not a bad, still not a bad result in the grand scheme of it. Well, look, let's talk about their new signings, uh, ones to look out for, potentially. So you've got their goalkeeper, Frank Fielding, which replaces David Martin. Uh, they also signed two other keepers on loan. Uh, they've got a new centre forward, John Daddy uh, Bodvarsson from Reading. Um, he has 16 goals and four assists in three championship seasons. They have an attacking midfielder, Connor Mahoney from Bournemouth, which is a very good signing. Managed two goals and four assists in the championship last senior season with Birmingham. And obviously they have Matt Smith. And, Matt, you know, Matt Smith scored, got nine goals and three assists during his time at Fulham, but he didn't do bad for QPR either. I mean, this is a, I don't think this is, they, they've made some good signings, wouldn't you say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if you're asking me, if you're asking me if I've ever heard of Frank Fielding, John Daddy Bodvarsson and Connor Mahoney, you're going to be gutted. <laughs> this, is, this is absolute car crash podcast. <laughs> like, just like, oh, God. Okay. Fine. Fine. Let's just not talk about it. Uh, hold on. No. We got key men last year. 
you've got their key men from last year. You've got uh, striker Gregory Ross, their top scorer last year, scoring scoring fourteen in the league, assisting seven. We can't we can't release this. This just seems like we an can. insult. We can't. We can. This we this can. is just an insult to Stato's work. Um, it's just a lot, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, Jed Wallace contributed five goals and assisted two. Uh, you've got a centre-back, Jay Cooper, and he was the only player to play every single league game last season with 0.9 interceptions per game and 5.9 clearances per game. These stats ah, are amazing. 5.9? I thought it was 6.1, but 5.9. It's 5.9. Oh, well, there you go. This is great. Stato, Stato's a legend. But, I mean, this is a good one. Fulham most likely to concede in the last 10 minutes based on when Millwall most frequently scored away. Fulham most likely to concede in the last 10 minutes based on when Millwall most frequently scored away. So that's very interesting. And also another one he's put in bold is Fulham almost, <laughs> Fulham almost, Fulham almost also most likely to score between in the last 15 minutes based on when Millwall conceded the most. So it just seemed like don't, it could be leave, quite... Don't leave early. Don't leave yeah, early. don't, that's, don't that's leave early. Fun. Don't go to the bar. You know, I mean, this this sounds this sounds promising. Both teams unlikely to score in the first fifteen minutes is the next stat as well. It sounds like it could all be quite a cagey affair with these stats. Actually, I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Are you going, Mister Beauclair? Of course. Yeah. Mister Reese, actually, I'm not going to say that. Don't, don't, you're not going, and then it just gets bad press. I'll just say. Um, we know he's, yeah, he's, he's doing the review. He's doing the review. You're doing the pod. I am. Thank you. Yeah. Fair but enough. with the glory that is the EFL, we get to watch it all on the red button. It's lovely. That is lovely. It's got a lot better. I, I assume we do anyway. They haven't changed the rules from last year, have they? I don't think so. No, you do. It'll be on the red button. You just don't get any commentary, and it'll just be one fixed camera. Fine by me. At least I can see something. Yeah, exactly. All right. What do we think of um of Sean Hutchinson? Do you think that he might actually get nabbed at some point by? a higher-ranking championship team, or has he just found his level of Millwall, would you say, Mr. Reid? I, I could say definitively now, no. Sean Hutchinson is not going to get signed by a by a higher-ranking championship club. Okay. No, no. Flat out, no. Flat out, However, no. Chris, I'm curious. I am curious. Does Sean Hutchinson get a standing ovation? Well, not a standing ovation, but does he get applause when he gets back? Does he get booed? Or what, what sort of reception does he get? I'm curious. I, I wouldn't even recognise him, to be honest. Wouldn't know what squad number he was. If I, yeah, I, I guess if everybody claps, I'll join in. But otherwise, <laughs> probably not. If every, if everybody claps, I'll join in. I'll join in and clap. What, what, what are we clapping for? <laughs> oh crikey, Mister Reese, can I have your score prediction, please? Um. Yeah, you can have my score prediction. Absolutely, you can. Um, I think I'm going to go for similar to what Friday night, two uh, one. I I still have I still don't have a lot of faith in our defence, so I can see them certainly scoring one more than likely with Matt Smith. Maybe Sean Hutchinson with the uh, fix on header from a corner, more likely. Um, and then two from us. I'm going to say Anthony Knockhart's going to get his first goal this season, tearing Sean Hutchinson apart. So yeah, two one to us. And Mr. Buclet. Oh, you said one nil. No, no, no. I'm going to quote Tom Kearney, and I think football's going to win this one, and we're going to win 3 0. Nice, nice. I mean, I've got a feeling that we're going to have maybe a a dodgy phase, maybe in the first 15 minutes or so, as maybe Stats have predicted, but I think we'll comfortably win. I I think about 3 1 will do us. So, 
looking forward to another three points. Here's hoping. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Nine points out of four games. Fantastic stuff. No, ten points. No, it'd be nine points. Nine points out of four games. Excellent. 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 All right, that's it for me and my co-host. Thank you very much for listening at home. Thank you very much for supporting us. And if you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes, on the regular Apple podcast app. And we will be back. We will be back with a pod giving our reaction to the Millwall game and previewing the Nottingham Forest game. So once again, thank you to my lovely co-host here. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Thank you. 